Welcome back, everyone, for another week of the podcast. And we mm-hmm. are doing another Q&A. So we've yeah, got... Lisa and I. Yeah, we've got some questions to answer. Pam is here with me. You also heard her in the background. So <laughs> we are both going to go through these questions and answer them. Our first question, and these are a lot of questions with our with our older kids, kids. like you know, toddlers, one and a half years, two years, three years. So be sure to listen to this, especially if you have a little one within this age category. So our question that we are going to start with is what to do when sleep training your toddler makes things worse. Our two and a half year old was the best sleeper until we transitioned her to a toddler bed three months ago. We started sleep training her a week ago, walking her back to her bed calmly every time she gets up saying time for bed. We walk her back between 50 to 100 times before she'll fall asleep. In the last week, though, she has started waking up every hour of the night and coming into our room. We have tried the grow clock. She's quite the stubborn one. We're all exhausted and miserable. Why are things getting worse? So I do first want to mention that sometimes when you are working on sleep, um, it can feel like it's getting worse before it gets better. However, you do want to, even if it gets a little bit worse before it gets better, you want to see those results within that first week it was at least some little things like we should be seeing some progress here 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 yes perfect but we should be seeing some small steps of success yes exactly so one of the things that I would really look into is how much engagement is happening during these returns Mm -hmm. to bed so you know the more engagement they get like explaining too much um talking too much right they the more engagement they get, the more they want to wake up for that, right? I would also look into the schedule as well, because if your little one is going to bed too late, this can cause some overnight, a lot of overnight wakings, or if napping too long during the day, um, that can also cause some, wreak some havoc during the nights as well. So that's something to look into. But I would say, 50 to 100 times that is a lot right so you definitely want to be seeing some results if you've been at this for a little while the more persistent children can take a little bit longer before they truly accept the changes however the more persistent children also notice any inconsistencies more than any other child out there so I would be ready to pounce (laughs) I would be (laughs) you inconsistent I'm going to pounce were you inconsistent I'm gonna get you there so I would be looking really really deep into that and seeing if there are any inconsistencies that you can point out so the inconsistencies would be you know sometimes little one gets to go into your bed sometimes you're bringing them back um sometimes you you lay with them sometimes you leave the room sometimes you give them a little snack or a sip of water or a sip of milk sometimes sometimes you're talking to them or having conversations other times you're not so we're not saying that you are doing something inconsistent we're just saying take a deep look into there because that can be something especially with the more persistent children that can really keep this going on longer finally if you see that you've you know that there's nothing inconsistent that you can really pinpoint it might just be that this 
current method is not the right method for your little mm -hmm. one to be starting with. So looking into maybe um, your little one needs a little bit more help at night at first for the first few days, maybe a little bit of presence there or something without going all the way back to sleeping with them, right? You don't want yeah, to take steps back, <laughs> but perhaps just a little bit of your presence or a little bit of help is needed at the beginning. And then you ease off of that very quickly. Yeah, because how they're falling asleep at bedtime really is going to impact how they're going to be able to fall asleep again at in the middle of the night. So if you're laying with your little one um, and then they wake in the middle of the night and you're no longer there, that's going to continue them needing to, or waking and wanting you to come back into their space, right? So um, being very mindful of how they're falling asleep at bedtime as well, how much support there, that kind of stuff. Big kids and sleep. Big kids and sleep, it's something that both Elisa and I love. Like I love working with our big kids, but it is a little bit of a different challenge because there's so much more involved. Daytime sleep, uh, tantrums, emotions, separation, fears, like all of those things come into our big kids or bigger kids or toddlers and their sleep. So, you know, in, in, as we continue through this and because a lot of our questions are for bigger kids, those toddlers, even as we chat through them, there's a lot of daytime work that we need to do when we're working with our um, toddlers. So routine charts, that's going to be a big piece. We have a workshop for that too. Um, if you're struggling with that routine at bedtime, the, the connection time before going into bed, the connection time in the morning, how we're handling those tantrums, the emotional offloading, those are how we're setting those limits as well. Yeah. Right. And, and how we're following through with those limits that we set can play a huge role in how far they take it afterwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so as I mentioned, we have a few questions like this. So um, if you hear us repeat ourselves, that's why, but those are going to be the pieces that are going to be coming up kind of over and over again, role playing, schedule, schedule is a big one, especially at two and a half. If that nap is too long, that's going to cause those night wakings. So um, yeah, looking at all of those pieces when we're looking at big kids sleep, it really does make a big difference for sure. Great. Okay, so our next question is how to get a toddler 1.5 years old to sleep more than a few hours at a time. Any tips to breaking co-sleeping? So this is a big one. Co-sleeping when you're ready to work on it is something that, you know, you can take a gradual approach. However, with this age group, one and a half years, sometimes mm -hmm. it's best to just jump right in and you know, you want to do a little bit of crib play during the day. Yes. We have a podcast episode all about that that we will put in the description for this. Doing a little bit of that crib play can help prepare them for the next step. Um, but just jumping in and teaching them how to fall asleep on their own is going to get you the most success Yes. the fastest in this case. Um, and it doesn't mean that you need to leave the room and just, you know, put them into their bed and leave the room and walk away. At this age with so much, uh, so many other things going on. And a lot of times at a year and a half, there is a peak in that separation anxiety. So you might want to choose a method that has you in the room with your little one mm -hmm. as they are falling asleep at the beginning, offering them lots of help and building their confidence and their ability to fall asleep on their own. And then you start to ease off of the amount of support that is needed there. But the biggest thing is to have a plan 
follow that plan really consistently and know that you don't have to just put them into bed and leave the room if they are really used to co-sleeping and you're seeing some signs of separation anxiety you can choose a method where you are right there supporting them and helping them through and offering a lot of of um engagement well not engagement but a lot of help on your part at the beginning and then you ease off of that to build that confidence yeah um and taking a look at that daytime sleep at a year and a half uh ideally we want that nap to be in the afternoon at 12 31 o'clock for you know an hour and a half to two hours ideally so if we're not getting enough of that daytime sleep or if that daytime sleep isn't happening at the right time during the day say your little one's napping from 11 to 12 30 that's going to cause night wakings so um night wakings early rising that's going to be cause all sorts of challenges so taking a look at that daytime schedule as well would be a good piece and that brings us into our next question which is about early rising so how to get a one-year-old to sleep in later always up at 5 45 no matter how much she naps and what time she goes to bed and how do you deal with the two to one nap transition when daycare has a set nap time that's too late for your little one so they fall asleep when they go out in the morning and skip their nap in the afternoon that's a tough one with daycare. Pam, do you yeah. want to take this one? <laughs> yeah. So we don't really, so both Lisa and I have worked in childcare centers, have both run a home daycare. Um, you, as a parent, you don't have as much control over the schedule as you would like. We do know though, with that two to one transition, I just mentioned as well, that that afternoon nap ideally is in between that 12, 31 o'clock so that you're setting yourself up for a better morning. Um, so we do know as well that uh, your child will adjust very quickly. As a care provider, um, and Elisa and I kind of chatted about this a little bit before we recorded, but as a previous care provider, that afternoon nap is my only break for the whole day. It was day. golden. Like that, that you protected that nap. So, so for me, if I was having a little one who's napping in the morning and not in the afternoon when the other four were napping in the afternoon, that doesn't work because then I don't get even a second as a care provider, especially a care provider in home, you don't have any time or breaks or anything like that, right? So uh, that afternoon nap is golden. So as a care provider, and that might be a conversation like, you know, you'll get a better break if my little one's sleeping in the afternoon versus in the morning. Um, it is a tough transition. That transition to two to one naps can take a good three, especially if you've just started in care, can take a good three, four weeks. So I, I would I would chat with them um, about timing, even if they can, you know, if they're doing a one o'clock nap, even if we can do 12 o'clock for the week um, to get them adjusted, but the they will adjust. They will if if the if if she's not falling asleep in the morning, she will adjust to that afternoon nap. Um, but that morning nap is going to be causing that 545 early rising yeah and if you're if your little one is on the earlier side of one year old like just turned a year old and isn't quite ready for the transition then maybe speaking to your provider about going for that walk a little bit earlier in the morning so that and keeping it very short so that your your baby has the opportunity to have that little cat nap and then still go to sleep in the afternoon so Mm -hmm. if that is an option and if that will work out with the situation and your child will actually have a 20 minute cat nap in the morning and sleep in the afternoon that's another conversation so I do you know some of those little ones who adjusted in my care when I was a care provider, um, I would encourage the parents to bring them a little bit earlier so that I could make sure that the they were having a little cat nap 
early enough in the morning so that it wasn't impacting their afternoon nap. But it is a lot of communication with the care provider, letting them know how, you know, it's going to benefit them in the end because they won't have your little one up all afternoon and then potentially melting down at two o'clock PM, right? Finally, the last little tip there would be that even like, so if your little one is ready, sometimes just taking a few days off, if you can, getting them really, um, really well adjusted to that transition at home on your own so that you could be really consistent. So let's say you did like a Saturday, Sunday, and then took a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off or something, then you would have that opportunity to give them those full days at home where you could be really consistent with that. Yeah. Yeah. And we do have, I'll uh, post in the description as well, the early rising um, podcast, because your response, absolutely. The, a lot of it comes down to timing and the day sleep and that kind of stuff, but your response does matter as well. So I will pop that in the description. Be sure to listen to that. Um, but hopefully, yeah, with that transition to the nap being 1231 o'clock consistently um, within a few weeks, that should uh, help with that early rising. Yeah. Okay, so how late of a bedtime is too late for a two-year-old? He sleeps through the night, but has gradually gone from an 8.30 bedtime to 9.30 bedtime since starting daycare last September. He sleeps until about 7, 7.30 a.m. Is he getting enough sleep with 10 hours a night plus a two-hour nap? So technically, he is 12-ish hours of sleep. Um 12 to 12 and a half, 13 would be ideal, ideal, but 12 hours is still really great. The challenge though is it's 10 hours at night, two hours during the day. So right now isn't two. Uh, Okay. So my (laughs) couple of thoughts that are going through my head. So um, depending on how late into two, like have just recently turned two, um, almost turning three, there's a little bit of a difference there, but that the, the reason why bedtime is so late is because of that two hour nap. It's just not tired enough come bedtime. So you may find um, depending on the exact age, but between two and a half and three is when they're starting to transition out of that nap. So um, cause it can cause those overnight challenges or those bedtime challenges. So reducing that nap um, depending again, depending on age two ish hours right now, isn't isn't um too too like it's not too long um I would cap it at two hours for sure but uh the goal is kind of that 12 hour day so 7 7 30 wake up 7 7 30 bedtime um when we're dealing with a little bit of a longer nap that can stretch by that extra hour so 7 7 30 wake up 8 8 30 bedtime because of that two hour nap but 9 30 is definitely like the latest I would go and if you're starting to get later than that I would be reducing that afternoon nap um so that you can get that bedtime a little bit shorter yeah, and you can start by reducing it by 20 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. We're not like, we would never jump to just cutting out the nap yes. altogether <laughs> because nap. <laughs> nap time is very important and we want them to be napping for as long as they possibly can. But when mm-hmm. it really starts to heavily impact the nights, then that's when it's time to look at reducing it a little bit more. And like for us parents, 9.30 bedtime just you know, where's your evening then, right? So it it is a process. It is a process that you want to go through, right? That you're going to need to go through. And then you'll you'll know when you're ready to start to reduce that nap when you've just had enough of those 930 bedtimes. Or if you're starting to see that 930 is creeping into 10, 1030, creeping into 11 before they're starting to fall asleep. um, You're going to want to nip that sooner rather than later, for sure. 
All right. So our next question is a question working on getting a three and a half year old to stay in her bed all night, but often she climbs into our bed without us knowing in the middle of the night. Then we wake up at some point with her feet digging into our back. <laughs> How lovely, right? How can we keep her in her room or bed all night? She's so sneaky. We have a solid bedtime routine and she has no problem going to bed in her own room, but she does want someone to sit in her room while she falls asleep. That started when she moved into a big bed. Yeah. So the first thing you're going to want to work on is right now she wants your presence in her room to fall asleep at bedtime. And like Pam mentioned a little bit earlier, when they need someone to put them to sleep at bedtime or be there at bedtime, that's naturally what they want recreated throughout the night right so it makes it a little bit more challenging to work on those night wakings when they need someone to be with them to fall asleep mm -hmm. initially for bedtime or nap time so you'll want to work on that first right so already just your presence is needed I would work on reducing the amount of presence that is needed so like yeah. moving further and further away again if you need a set plan or you would benefit from the support to let you know what steps to take next and how to work through all of those setting limits and the bedtimes and all that stuff we are here for you but that would be a really good first step for you to work on then what I would do is I would have a bell on your door yes. or a gate on your door so that um, she can't just sneak into your room right so that is something that they become very um, quiet oh, they're like cat like <laughs> oh. they are just <laughs> They, they know to do it very, very quietly. They learn that very quickly. So having some barrier there so that they can't just go into your room and sneak in there, right? So mm -hmm. a bell on their door, a bell on your door, or potentially even um, just having a gate. Yeah, just something that if they do wake up, there's something that's that they're not able to sneak into your room. It's not necessarily a, like I'm locking you in your room. That's not what it is. It's a barrier of alert so like Elisa said whether that's like a little bell on the handle or whatever or the gate at their door your door it's just that barrier of um they can't sneak in another one too is um this is one strategy that I've used with a lot of families too is they don't they don't get into the like hey I'm awake I need you to come and see me so they kind of sneak into your bed so you can work on um, games during the day like I can hear you when I'm in my bed so you go into your bed and, and you call out for me and I'm gonna hear you and then you have them go into your bed and you go into their bed and you're like see I can hear you can you hear me so if you do need me I can hear you but you need to stay in your bed um, so those conversations can help as well but having that barrier is typically the easiest yes <laughs> especially with our stealthy ones and we did have a final question, how to get your three-year-old to sleep in his own bed, in his own room. And I think we answered that with all of the other questions mm -hmm. that we've already kind of spoken about. Um, but the main things there are you want to plan so that you know what to follow every yep. single night. Know that it doesn't have to be a situation where you're just leaving the room and, you know, having them just figure it out right off the bat you can help them a little bit more especially at this age setting those firm limits and boundaries while listening to that upset and helping them through those various feelings and preparing them for that as well yes. letting them know that that is yeah letting them know what the new expectations are going to be can go a really really long way but that plan and setting those limits and being consistent is going to be what really really helps you along and building the way. their confidence we want them to feel safe and secure in their space 
when we have a little one who isn't falling asleep on their own at bedtime, right? And they need you. That's, there's nothing wrong with that if it's working for you and that's how your bedtime is going. But what it does is I'm awake. Oh no, something's not right. I'm not safe. I don't feel secure in my space. I need that parent back. I need that person back to, okay. So when we're working with our big kids, it's a lot of building their confidence. So you're playing in their room. You're getting them comfortable being in their space. We're working on pulling up those blankets. We're in and out of bed. We're building on all of those daytime skills that are going to help at night we're going to give them especially our three three and a half four-year-olds you know when you wake up at night we can you, you can have steps right we have three steps okay take a big deep breath take five big deep breaths okay give your stuffy a big hug pull up your blankets and then you call mom right like you can work on those little steps to build their confidence you are safe mommy and daddy are always right here we hear you you're building their confidence in being able to stay in their space but feeling comfortable in their space and to do that you want to spend time during the day you want to spend time during the day in their room you want to be making it nice and dark get flashlights out make a fort explore the room like do whatever you can you just especially if we have little ones two three four year olds who haven't spent the night in their room this is a big change for them so working your you know that week or two before you're you're planning that transition getting them really comfortable in this space hyping them up about what we're going to be doing um having that plan like lisa said and those expectations because as we said in the beginning especially with our big kids as soon as you as soon as you're not sure about your plan they are going to know and they are going to work any way out of that plan as they can so having that plan being confident in what you are putting forth um, is going to build your little one's confidence. And that's when it comes to sleep, that's what it is. That's what Elisa and I want to teach. We want them to feel confident. We want them to feel safe and secure. It's not about kicking them off the deep end and sink or swim, closing the door and letting them scream until they fall asleep. It's that emotional piece of, of making them feel safe and secure. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. We hope that we've answered your questions and we will do this again in the future yeah we'll be back soon bye <laughs>